Coming to you from the Twin Cities, this is Toughcast. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Toughcast. I am Notch. I am Jeff, and we just had the chance to interview over the phone Eamon Zayed. He signed with Indy just around the holidays, and so we might have missed his signing um, and covering it and giving its due diligence. He was the 2011 Player of the Year in the Irish Premier League. And after jumping around to many leagues around the world, he signed with Indy. Eamon has lived an incredibly fun life, and I wanted to ask him so many, so many questions. So we got in touch with Indy. They've got him on the line for us, and we're going to talk to him in just another minute here. So here's the music, and then we'll be back with Eamon Zayed. Eamon Zayed, thank you so much for coming on Toughcast. We really appreciate this. Yeah, it's a pleasure coming on and speaking to you two guys. So you've done some incredible things so far. You know, when you were, when you were in Ireland, you were Young Player of the Year, you were Player of the Year, you've seen the world, and now you're an indie. And I, the first question I had for you was, what made you decide to come to America at this point to choose Indy 11? I just felt it was the right time to to come across and, and try America. America is a place that I've always been interested in coming over to and and playing football in. Um, you know, I back in 2012 and 2013, I had interest from a couple of clubs in America, but it just wasn't the right time. I was um, I was in Iran at, 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 at one stage during that, and I had a couple of other things going on, so I just couldn't commit to coming over to America. But it was always in my mind that, you know, if the opportunity arose again, in the in the future that I would like to go and um you know fortunately for me it, it, it arose again in 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 November 2015 I I first spoke to Indy 11 and, and Tim Hankinson the coach and you know after after a few brief conversations I I was more than delighted to come over and um and and, and experience Indy 11 and America and and soccer in America because you know obviously over in, in Ireland and, and the UK, we we get a lot of the MLS. So I would know a little bit about the MLS. You know, they show some live games over there, but the NASL is relatively new to me. So it's um it's something that I'm looking forward to and I've heard good things about. And you mentioned Tim Hankinson, and I'd read that you were in touch with him prior when, I, I believe when he was in charge of the San Antonio Scorpions. I, I, I want to ask you what, how you got in touch with him and what he saw in your game back then and now that he thought this is someone I have to pursue and bring over to my team. Yeah, that's correct. Back in, again, as I said, back in 2012, um, it was actually the assistant manager of San Antonio Scorpion, Scorpions, Alan Marcina, um, or Marcina, I hope I'm pronouncing the name right. He was the very first person that got in touch with me. And true, Alan, um, I spoke with Alan, then I also spoke with Tim Hankinson. And... We, we, we talked about me coming over to San, San Antonio Scorpions back in January 2012. The interest continued until July 2012. And then again, it continued until July 2013. So Tim Hankinson was definitely interested in bringing me over. And he obviously saw something in my game. Um, I hope it was goals because that's what, uh, that's what I like to concentrate on most. So... I, I, you know, he obviously saw something in my game and he liked it and he was interested. And, you know, fast forward a couple of years, he takes over the Indy 11 job uh, um, and the interest remains. Um, so, um, no, he's he's definitely a vital cog in, in, in bringing me here and why I'm here. Um, any of the conversations I've had with him 
have been have been really good. Um, you know, listening to his philosophy on football and how he wants to play and, and how he sees myself fitting into the team. Um, but but look, first and foremost, I'm a striker. I'm a forward. He's brought me in to score goals, and um, and 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 that's what I that's what I intend to do. So going into that year beforehand, you'd been playing in Ireland for quite a few years at that point. Um, in 2010, after playing the season, you were about to transfer out to Libya, and your transfer was blocked due to some rules um, regarding Libyan internationals under the age of 30 for playing into the league. And then you came back in 2011 and won the player of the year for the league. What kind of uh, either a chip on the shoulder or mentality did you have to adopt after that sort of a hurdle? Yeah, that's a funny one. That that Libya one was crazy. Like you might as well call that rule the aim inside rule because it was made for me and, and and no one else. I'll tell you briefly. I I I, mm-hmm. I joined up the Libyan with the Libyan national squad back in 2010. Um, I think it was the summer 2012 or, or just after the summer or, or just after the summer 2010. Sorry, and um, when I went over um, to play for the national team. I got approached by a couple of clubs over there. Um, the two biggest clubs in Libya were um, were, uh, were were a team, two teams based in Tripoli. Um, Aliti had was one team, and um, Jesus, the the name of the other escapes me. Um, It was, there was another team, anyway. Sorry, apologies. Like I can't, I, I can't think of the other team now at this stage because I don't even think they're still there anymore. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, there was two teams that were interested in me at this stage. Um, one team was was run by, let's say, or was known to be uh, associated with the government, and um, Muhammad Gaddafi, his son, uh, Doctor Muhammad, uh, Doctor. Yeah, Dr. Mohammed Gaddafi was his name. Um, he was in charge of this team. So basically, this team approached me and asked me to sign a contract. And they were the first team that approached me. I listened to them. I sat down with them. They tr- we, 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 you know, we, we, we trashed a, out a six-month contract. Um, there was one little detail with that contract that I said wa- that I wanted fixed. So I said to give me a few days um, and to give them a few days to hopefully, you know, fix this little detail. In the meantime, another team in Libya, um, their big rival, which was seen as the supporters team, the the it, it, it was seen as a team that was perhaps against the government, if I can say that. And this team asked to meet me. I said, yes, you know, I was a free agent. I didn't see see any problem in it. I sat down with them and they offered me a contract for six months and they offered me an even better contract for six months. So I decided that, you know what, this team was the team that I wanted to sign for. So I told them I was going to sign for them. Um, that got back to the other team that was run by Dr. Mohammed Gaddafi and associated with the government. And as soon as they found that out, that I was going to turn down their team and sign for their big rival, they brought out this rule. Um, you know, that said, it was a, even the wording of it was so, so silly. It was basically any professional player that had played in Europe that came over to represent the national team of Libya cannot play in the league in Libya 
as a professional until they are 30 years of age or older, <laughs> which was which was on it, which was obvious, as I said, you might as well call it the Eamon Zoid rule because I was the only player. I was the I was actually the first player from Libya or based out of or based out of Europe to come over and 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 represent the Libyan national team. So, um, yeah, it was ridiculous. It was a kick in the teeth because you know what I. I I actually kind of fancied going over to Libya for six months and trying it out. And the deal that was on offer was a very, very good deal. Um, but look, it wasn't to be. So, um, so yeah, so so fast forward a year, um, I, I joined a team in Ireland called Derry City. And, um, and you know what? It worked out great because I had an unbelievable year. I really enjoyed my time in Derry. And I played some great football. Um, I was part of a, a very good team. Um you know, I, I struck up a great relationship. Um, as a striker, it's important to—I feel it's important to strike up relationships with um, the creative players in the team. And uh, and I happened to strike up a, an unbelievable relationship with a, a left winger called James McLean, who's gone on to <laughs> represent the Irish national team, and yeah. mm-hmm. he obviously plays in the Premiership. So he'd be a good friend of mine, actually. Um, and we struck up a great relationship. He was playing out left, and you know. Mm-hmm. After training, would would kind of stay back and hit cross a few balls, um, you know, from the left, and and I'd finish it. And um, and I remember, I think it was the the, the third game into the season that um, I kind of I kind of said to him, like, you know what, you need to work on your crossing. So I said, so I, so yeah, to be fair to him, he took it well because he was younger than me, like, and I, I said it in a nice way, like, yeah. um, because I wanted him to be better, he wanted me to be better, you know, we were working uh, working for each other, like, so um. We used to stay back after training for 10, 15 minutes and hit cross some balls and I'd finish them. And that relationship went onto the pitch and um, and, and a lot of my goals that year were because of him. And uh, and I often joke with him because he, he ended up getting a move to Sunderland that season. And I often joke with him saying that it was because of me, because of me getting on the end of his balls <laughs> that he got that move to Sunderland. You know, because, um, but to be fair, he, he, he actually had a great cross on him. So anyway, um, I had a great year. I enjoyed it. And and from there, um, well, from there I went over to Iran. So sure. so yeah. In the in the space of about five minutes, we've learned that you were responsible both for a law in Libya and James McLean's career. So that's pretty fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I'm claiming them too. There, that's 100 percent true. I'm telling you. So so I have a question about actually this. You know, you just mentioned you went over to Iran. You, you, we talked just now about you're being willing to go to Libya. You've spent some time in Malaysia as well. There is, for better or for worse, uh, a hesitation for players to to leave their countries. We've we've seen it over here with uh, American players. You know, recently Jordan Morris yeah. came up. Uh, we've seen it. There's some high profile talks about how English players, for example, sometimes don't want to leave England to go into Spain. I don't know how it is in Ireland. But my question for you was, when it comes to that transition, you've obviously been fearless. What are some of the things that you've been thinking about? You left Ireland after great success there. So what was some of the reasons that you chose to make that transition for yourself? Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, in, in just to, to, to say in Ireland, any of the players, um, any, any players playing in Ireland, at the moment, they only think of really two countries, and that's England and Scotland. They, they never really think outside the box. Um, and it's I don't know why it's just it's just the way it is in Ireland um, and that and that's the mentality of most players um, you know and obviously then the older they get the more the more settled they get in their lives um, me I love new challenges um, 
I I look forward to it. I feel I excel in new challenges, or well, I or I hope I do. Um, I like trying different cultures. Um, maybe it's because you know I'm my father is 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 Tunisian and Libyan, and um, I don't know. Maybe I have a bit of that in my blood that I like to you know see see different cultures and stuff like that. So um, so that's one of the reasons. I mean, um, Ireland is. Ireland is great. Ireland is home, but I played in the league for 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 a number of years. I always said to myself, funny funny enough, it just kind of again like it's just right time. That last year in Derry, I only had a couple of things that I had um, left to to achieve in Ireland. I I was lucky enough that to play in some good teams, and I won. Uh, I won a league title and 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 the cup competitions there, um, and the young player of the year. The only awards that I wanted to win or the achievements that I wanted to win um before going to Derry was um was the player of the year and the 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 golden boot award and I achieved that in my last year in Derry so I felt it was just kind of the right time to 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 move on if I got the opportunity to play away and and, and play abroad and yeah after after Derry um and 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 you know that that successful time in Ireland. Um, Iran came calling, and initially, I like anyone, I was a bit hesitant, um, and I wasn't sure what to think um, of Iran. Um, I'd never even heard of uh, the team that was interested in me at the time. Uh, although I've gone on to to see that they're one of the biggest teams in Asia, but at the time I wasn't so sure you know, um, about Iran and about the team that were looking for me and the team obviously being Perse Polis. Um, but after a few quick phone calls um, to firstly the Irish embassy that were based uh, over in Iran, um, uh, they put my mind at ease straight away in terms of safety or anything like that. And I also got in contact, um, there was a guy called Mick McDermott who was the assistant coach of the Iran national team at the time. And I spoke to him um, and... And, and again, he put my my mind at ease with regards to football. So I just said, you know what? It was at the, initially it was a short term contract. It was a six month contract. Uh, I felt I had nothing to lose, and and what an opportunity to see a different culture. I mean, I don't know many people in Ireland that have experienced and seen Iran. Um, you know, so <laughs> why not? Like you know, something to tell the kids when I'm older. Sure. And I mean, it didn't take you too long at Persepolis to actually make an impact. Um, it's kind of a stuff of legend at this point, especially in world football. But uh, you came on as a substitute in your second appearance um, in the Tehran Derby. And uh, Persepolis was down to 10 men um, mm. and down by 2-0. And then uh, do you want to take it away and mention what you did? You know what? I'll tell you. I'll, I'll tell you the story behind that um, or just leading up to that. Um, and and I'll get there to the game, uh, which was which was crazy. But just to, to to let you to know how it actually went, I flew over in December, just before Christmas. I flew over in December to sign my contract, which I did. I signed my contract with the team. Uh, they allowed me to fly back for Christmas, and I flew back to Iran the fourth of January. I went straight to training. Um, the team had already begun training. I wasn't actually trained that day. I was just there to meet the coach and meet the lads. So first things first, the coach looks at me and he says, he was a Turkish coach. His name was Mustafa Denizli. He was um, he was quite a big coach in Turkey. 
he turns around and says to me, true as translator, who are you? <laughs> I was like, um, I'm the new player, aim inside. He goes, all right. He goes, well, what position are you? And I said, oh, um, I said, I'm, I said, I'm striker. And he turns around and goes, true again, true as translator. He says, I did not sign you. The president of the club signed you. I never told him to sign you. So, <laughs> firstly, apologies for that. But all I can do is see you in training for two weeks, and I'll make my mind up then. Oh my! Oh. Um. So, you know, I I walked away going, what the hell did I just get myself into here? You know, I, I didn't know what to think. Like so. Anyway, this was fourth of January. I trained away for a few weeks. Um, actually, I trained away for four weeks. There was no sign of me making the first team or the first team squad. Um, I think in, in, in that month of January, the first team squad had played, let's say, five games. They might have won two, lost two, drawn one. It wasn't, wasn't particularly great. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the month, the coach, who hadn't spoke to me at all, um, rang the president of the team and said, listen, this Irish guy you brought... Um, I don't want them. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to use them. Um, the president turned around to the manager and said, or to the coach, and said, "You are going to use them. I signed them. I paid. I, I. He goes. I signed them. I've already paid him some of his money up front. So you bloody well better use them at least in one game. So the 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 coach, as they do in in those countries, they whatever the president says. To be fair, they actually do. So. This brings me to the game um, that, that, that you were talking about. Um, I was on the bench. It was, it was a derby game against Esteglal, um, which is a massive, massive, massive derby in Iran. Um, at, the, at, at this point in time, I hadn't got a clue about the rivalry and, and the derby or anything like that. Basically, I showed up to the stadium. There was 80-odd thousand people there. And I was going, what the... What is this? This is, this is great. Like, I mean, I was absolutely loving this. Um, there was absolutely no pressure on me. I was on the bench, so I was just sitting there. I was just sitting there watching this game in front of eighty odd thousand people, just soaking in the atmosphere. Going, this is great. Like, um, so anyway, first half we we are one nil down, and the coach tells three players to warm up, and I'm not one of those players. Um, it was it was another striker, a midfielder, and a defender. And usually, when when the coach tells three 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 players to to warm up, it's usually one of those three that are going to come on, and the rest of the subs might as well just have a shower because you're not you're not getting on. So I went in at half time to the dressing room where all the other la- where the, the the lads were. The coach was giving a speech. I was actually to be fair. I was just it was it was actually quite cold that night. I was just in the corner having a, a cup of tea, listening to the speeches. <laughs> right? Honestly, this is what was happening. Like, I was just taken in. Like, and um, with about five minutes left of halftime, um, the coach turns around. Uh, well, he actually just all I hear is "Amen, Amen, Amen," and I'm going, "Oh, sh-. like, okay, someone's looking for me here." Like, so um, the coach, true again, true as translator, says. Warm up, warm up. So I ran onto the pitch and warmed up for five minutes. They came out. Second half kicked off. I went behind the goal to continue to warm up. Um, second half begun. I don't know. After 10, 15 minutes, we went 2 0 down. So the coach tells two of us 
um, who are warming up behind the goal to, to, to hurry up and get ready. We're coming on. So at this stage, there was like, ah, there was just under 30 minutes left. So um, I didn't even have time to think like, well, I'm coming on to play in front of 80 odd thousand. This is great. Like, I was just thinking, right. Actually, do you know what I was thinking? I was thinking, we're 2 0 down. I have nothing to lose here. Like, <laughs> I, I, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, which in a way was, you know, you know, you don't feel any pressure. Like, um, so I went on. And after 10 minutes, the 70 odd minutes, um, we got a player sent off. So we went down to 10 men. And this is hilarious. Like, but this is all true. The coach turns around to a midfielder who's sitting on the bench and says, get changed. You're coming on for Eamon. Right? <laughs> the, coach was take, the coach was taking me off and he was going to go 4-4-1. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I had just been on the pitch 10 minutes or 15 minutes max. So... There's actually a great clip of the coach. The, the guy is changed, his top off, he's ready to come on. The coach is telling him what to do. And I score. Uh, it was the 80th minute. <laughs> I score and it's 2-1. And, uh, and yeah, again, the clip shows the coach telling that player to sit back down. <laughs> so, um, it's, so this is what happened. And then 2-1, um, I didn't even get time to think about it. Two minutes later, 2-2. I scored again. And um, at this point, I didn't celebrate the first goal because obviously you're 2-0 down, mm-hmm. but the second goal I definitely celebrated. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, this is great. I'm <laughs> a hero here. Like, two all, down to 10, man. Happy days. So, um, so yeah, that was the 80-odd minute. So, anyway, into stoppage time, um, <laughs> we we get a throw in the, uh, near, near the opposition corner flag. And uh, it's funny because I see the the coach shouting on to to the Iranian. There's two Iranian players, and he, what he was trying to say was, you know, keep it in the corner flag, you know, and just let's see this out. It's two all. We're in stoppage time, and let's just play this out. Like, but um, obviously your man, the Iran um player, hasn't got a clue what the coach is saying because he doesn't speak the same language as. <laughs> so they take the throw in, the um the the left winger um kind of. He actually takes a nice little touch and turns his man and gets one into the box, a low cross. Um, again, which you don't have time to think. It just comes mm-hmm. to you and, and spur the moment, you, you know, you turn and, and shoot. And and yeah, it was frightening. Like um, that goal, the third goal that went in was, I, 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 I mean, I've watched it a lot of times, but I don't really remember actually what happened. <laughs> it's some impressive um, hold-up play on that one, by the way. Yeah, it was. It was just one of those. It was kind of instinct. Um, when you, you know, when you don't, that's as a striker, it's always better to go off instinct when you don't have too much time to think at times. And it just comes, you know. Yeah, you you, you take a touch. It was a, you know, the the defender. Um, you know, I don't know. He went the other way or whatever. And um, yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was a nice goal. I'm not gonna lie. I enjoyed it. Like, and um, no, it was frightening. Like, and um, you know what? It was funny. Like, so. <laughs> so after that game, um, like I had been a nobody up until that game. Um, the players didn't speak to you because in Iran they're quite jealous of a foreign player coming in and, and they're very standoffish like and they're not very friendly at all. That this is the players now. I mean, mm-hmm. um and and the coach again who whenever he spoke to me, which was rarely, was true as translator. Um the next day I arrive at training and magically overnight the coach can speak fluent English. <laughs> 
like I mean I couldn't make it up like I mean he was there you know you know great game aiming and I was going what is going on here like is this a different coach or what so um it was look it was great after that game I played every single game possible and the, even the, the the lads the local guys who hadn't really said a word to me you know began to you know good morning Eamon how are you or whatever like you know making you feel a little bit more at home so that game and and, and obviously the hat trick in that game kind of changed it uh changed everything for me um and uh and I really enjoyed it like I mean as, like that game and the goals I don't really remember too much in it but we had a game um we had a game about a month and a half later it was um my first um, they were in the Asian Champions League um and my first game in the Asian Champions League in the groups um, was against the team from um Dubai and we played them at home um and i remember looking up at the screen and it showed 86,200 people at the match and um that game i remember um we I we we went three 0 up and and I scored the three goals and it was in like I think I scored the third goal and the just after the second half and for the whole second half I had eighty six thousand two hundred people um chanting my name and that game I was able to because there was so much time left in the game I was able to kind of stand back and go whoa like I mean how many times do you do you get to experience this like and this yeah. that was. That was um yeah, I'll never forget that. Like that was quality. Like I really, really, really enjoyed it. And um and yeah, I mean I really enjoyed my time in Iran. That, that that's fa- fabulous. I mean, I can tell you one thing about Indy. Um uh, maybe some of the other guys already have, but there's one thing I can assure you, which is that the Brickyard Battalion, they are mm. quite loud. I mean, a bit smaller than eighty six thousand. <laughs> but they yeah. they're, they're very passionate folk who love their players and like uh I heard that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I heard fabulous. that. Um, I heard that. Yeah, I, I have a I have a kind of a related question for you. Actually, we talked a little mm. bit about the atmosphere in Iran um, with the supporters. I wonder if you can tell me a little bit because you played for another team in Iran, then you moved to Malaysia. If you can tell me a little bit about the Malaysian league supporter culture, um, or just the culture of the league in general as well. Uh, how developed a sport is it over there? Because it's not typically a league we hear a lot about in America. Mm. Uh, this is Malaysia now. Yeah. 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 Um. Malaysia is Malaysia was interesting it was again it was a good experience um they love their football over in Malaysia they are they're soccer fanatics um and you know if there's a, a a premiership game going on be it Chelsea or Man United or Liverpool or or Man City they're they're watching it like they know everything about the English premiership and they're to be fair they're, they're a bit obsessed with the English premiership um but they also they also really, really do like um like their 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 own football and their local their local soccer. Um and they support their so- their local soccer teams. So I played for a team called Saba over there and um and and we had great support. We had like we we were we were reaching average nineteen thousand um a game, which um which was great. They created a great atmosphere and um and, and it was really enjoyable to play in. Um I'll t- <laughs> The only thing is, they're the the Malaysian soccer, the the local Malaysian players are okay. Um, the problem in Malaysia is that the best best local players will go to. There's about two or three teams over in Malaysia 
that dominate um, or are, are the biggest teams. Um, one of them is called Johor, or, or JDT as they're known. Another team is Selangor. Um, and these teams get the best local talent um, all around the country. So, you know, that's where the best players are. And it's like the rest of the teams just... Um, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're still here. Sorry, sorry. Um, it's like the rest of the teams are just pretty much the same, um, you know, in terms of in terms of local talent. Um, so they rely a lot on their foreigners then. Um, so every team is allowed of four foreigners, and one of those foreigners has to have an Asian passport. So um, usually it's an Australian or or they like uh, Koreans as well. Um, tend to be the the Asian passport holder, so um, this puts a lot of pressure on the foreign players to perform, and they really really expect a lot of the foreigners. Um, maybe because the local players aren't as good, um, but they they expect a lot. So um, I'll tell you a story. What happened? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, again, this is you know this is a true story. So I I I I played the first. The first two games, let's say the first two games in, in, in Malaysia, in the league, for Sabah, we won both games. Um, but I didn't score in the two games. Um, I assisted a, a goal in each of the games, but I didn't score. And uh, after after the first two games, um, the whole team went out for dinner, um, hosted by the president of the club. Um, and being, being one of the foreign players, we got to say that. The, the president of the club, his table, right? Mm-hmm. That's just the way it works over. Sure, yeah. Um that's that's the culture. It's it's different. Like um they kind of put the, the, the foreign players up on a pedestal, um, which I don't agree with. And the local players kind of, you know, look up to you um um or well they act they act inferior to you. And um instead of being a teammate, they act like they're inferior to you, which is not not a good thing like. Um, and, and, and I don't think it's right and, and you know definitely not in a team sport so or in, or in anything but mm-hmm. not a team sport anyway um, you're all the same so anyway you know the president of the club would, would call up the foreign players and we'd sit at his table so um, you know it was like a celebration after you know dinner after winning two games so he turns around to me and says so when are you going to score right mm-hmm so I, I kind of laughed it off and go, yeah, yeah, don't worry. You know, we won two games and the goals will come. And he turns around and he says, no, no, when are you going to score? And he was deadly serious. And uh, he, he took me by surprise. I didn't know what to say to him. I was thinking like, whoa, like, chill out. Like, we, yeah. we won two games. Um, <laughs> I, like, I, I, I helped in those two games. <laughs> um, but that was just the attitude. Mm. They expected a goal every game. So the third game, uh, the third game we we lost. I actually, I just don't look. I had a goal ruled out for offside that was one hundred percent not offside. Mm-hmm. But anyway, into the fourth game, um, we were playing at home in front of nineteen thousand people, and a massive group of diehard fans, uh, Saba diehard fans. Mm-hmm had erected a massive poster behind the goal. And it was, anyone can see it. And it had written on it, score Zoid or go home. Oh, And, yeah. And, luckily, (laughs) 
or uh, luckily I scored in that game and uh, like like any striker you score you but get a bit of confidence I went on and I scored in seven games in a row I think mm-hmm. so um, so they took that poster down thank God <laughs> yeah. um, but that just that, that's just an example of um, of of the real pressure that they put on on a foreigners and what they expect I mean you know there's no if you don't score like they're asking questions like and um, it was different. They didn't. I didn't experience that in anywhere I've ever played. Um, you know, such uh, such demands. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I put demands on myself, and I like to think I put high demands on myself. But um, I, you know, I, I don't want to hear it. Like if I don't score, I know I didn't score. But I don't. I, I want my fans to support me, not you know, put 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 that kind of out of pressure on you because I don't think it helps, except especially not a striker. Yeah. Who who uh, who 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 likes a bit of confidence. So um anyway, that was that's just an insight into the, how the fans mm-hmm. are towards the foreigners and what, what what clubs expect from from a foreigner. So um it's it, it's it's like catch twenty two. Like although let's say locally the, the players aren't that strong um you're playing. That's your. They're your teammates, and you rely on, on on obviously your teammates because it's a team game. And if the service is not good, or you know the defending's not great, or the goalkeeper's not fantastic, it's it, it can make it really difficult at times. Um, you know. So, um, but it was a good experience. I really enjoyed it. Um, again, I, you know, um, I can look back on that and say I really enjoyed it, and it was, it was a nice. It was a nice, um, nice place to play, mm-hmm. Malaysia. You know. Um, yeah, I, I, w- so. one one of the things I, I would like to ask your coach actually, when 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 I have a chance to meet him, is his experience in India. Because when I've, I'm from mm. there, and what you said about the Premiership being so popular, that's totally true for India. You'll see like Liverpool, Real Madrid jerseys. My friend has a Barcelona pennant in his car. Like <laughs> they follow. Yeah. European like the big clubs so much but the Indian league has only in the last couple of years come into its own and there is a lot of kind of this um, foreign player uh, push to have some of these guys come in and it's uh, you know guys coming out of retirement like David Seaman and these guys and um, to play in India and I'm I'm really curious what the scene over there is like because some of what you've shared so far I find so many similar parallels to what I've heard about the Indian soccer scene as well um but I, I guess one of the the, the the other things I wanted to ask you before we end here is about Ireland. You know, we talked about the massive support that you experience in in Iran. You know, some of these massive uh, games in in Malaysia. Uh, one of the things I was surprised a little bit earlier this year to learn about the Irish league. There was there's an article yeah. I forget where it was published. Was that the attendances are quite low? Because in my mind, mm. I think Ireland. You know, I think big soccer country you know does relatively well on the international stage um but i was surprised to see for example the average attendances for the league can sometimes fall below uh nasls and and i i guess i just don't I, i don't inside my head i don't understand why that is and i was hoping maybe you could help kind of throw a little bit of light on on why that is because we we talk so much of the nasl about our attendances and focus mm-hmm. on it so much yeah, you know, um you know, I I I I do a bit of work with the the PFAI, the players union over in Ireland. And um, you know, one of the things we talk about is the attendances and and, and, and that aspect of it in, in Ireland. Um 
In Ireland, soccer is the biggest sport. Um, people adore soccer and kids play it at, you know, at a young age all the way up. Um, soccer is a massive, massive sport in Ireland. Um, the biggest problem are, um, the biggest problem in Ireland is that like like Malaysia and India and, and, and other countries is that, yeah, Irish people are obsessed with the premiership and are obsessed with England and um, the, the soccer in England. Um, so they all support, everyone in Ireland supports your Manchester United, your Liverpool, your Chelsea. And come weekends, Ireland is so close to England that a number of people who, who love soccer go over and travel to these games. You know, so there's thousands of people from Ireland who love soccer that will go over um, and instead of going to a local soccer game in the weekend, they'll choose to go over and watch Liverpool or Arsenal or Chelsea or whoever. That's one of the reasons um, why why they don't come and support their local team. Um, Another reason is that the infrastructure facilities stadiums um pitches in ireland are not that great um i mean you know i i haven't actually been to a soccer game um i haven't been to a soccer game yet in america um and i'm sure it's not the same but i went to a basketball game there recently and you know there was all sorts of entertainment happening uh on court or or at halftime um and you know you had numerous um, facilities around the, the the stadium to to eat in or to drink or whatever. In Ireland, it's it's they're not great. The facilities aren't great. It's not somewhere that you know on a cold like we the, in Ireland they play on Friday nights mm-hmm. uh, mostly. Um, it's not it's not somewhere like on a cold Friday night where you go you know what let's go to a game because it's cold. Um, you know there's no great any food facilities or drinking facilities or anything like that. Um, it's just not very appealing. Hmm. Um, so that that's another reason. You know, I mean, it's not... The stadiums aren't new. Um, you know, what Ireland needs um, is is big investment and people to come in and, and, and put money in. And we just haven't got that. Um, for whatever reason, I don't know. We just haven't got that. Um, I am a little bit surprised because there's some very, very good footballers in Ireland. There's some talented footballers yeah. in Ireland. Um, a lot of them will choose to leave at 16 or 17 uh, and go over and play for one of the teams in England mm-hmm. and, and try and, you know, go up the youth system there. Um, and you... But they're still... Uh, sorry? sorry? And you actually went over and you came up through the Leicester City Academy for 16, 17, 18, didn't you? I did indeed, yeah. Yeah, I went over. I... I um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say one of my regrets in football, but one of my... You know, when I look back at football and go, I wonder what would have happened. I I turned, I went over to Arsenal when I was 16 um, and I turned down a contract. Um, I turned down a contract over there because I had one year left in, let's say, year, uh, the equivalent of high school. Uh-huh. Um, I had one year left. Um, we have our leaving cert, you have your, I think it's SATs. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I had one year left um, in school to finish that. And um, and I remember I went over to Arsenal and after four weeks I came back and um, I remember my mum ringing up. Liam Brady was in charge of the, the youth uh, development over there and said, look, will you wait? Will you will you give Eamon a year? 
you know, to finish his studies and then he'll come over. And they said, look, if if he doesn't come over, we're going to find someone in France or Brazil in his position who will. And um, and yeah, I didn't. I, th- I ended up turning that down and um, I stayed another year in Ireland and I, I ended up then, you know, um, getting getting offered a contract over in Leicester City and and I decided to go over there, um, and 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 I spent uh, spent a bit of time over there as a youth. Um, I I really think based on what you were saying, particularly about the investment in Ireland before, it seems like that would be a natural thing for someone who wants to build up a a, a base of support, someone who wants to have a team that they can say you know in ten years, well I I accomplished something here. It seems like with the, with the natural love for the game there the talented players mm-hmm. like you were saying if someone goes in builds a great stadium you could do something really yeah. great there you've seen it happen in america where sometimes you know you, you like mm-hmm. like the la galaxy where they, they built a great stadium they brought in um david beckham which i don't know if you need something like that in ireland you know but but certainly mm-hmm. that helped over there and yeah. now now yeah, now yeah. there's a there's a big basis of support and i bet you know some of these executives who who helped la galaxy achieve that kind of success are now going on to other places themselves um, mm. and doing great things. Well, there's definitely, you know what, there's definitely an opportunity there um, because you do have people who are obsessed with the sport. Uh, you have good players. You have some very good players and talented players um, because um, Irish soccer players, are they're, they have a good level of coaching at a young age. So they're brought up um, with a football and brain, um, and they have a, a high fun, uh, football IQ. So um, you know they're good players. Um, so it is there is an opportunity there for someone or a number of people to go in, and, you know, and, and and try and invest in in soccer there and, and in the facilities and in the clubs. Um, but for whatever reason, and I don't know why. It just hasn't happened. Um, maybe I don't know. Maybe Ireland's not as glamorous. Um, well, obviously it's not as glamorous as America, um, but it just hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it'll happen in the future or not, I'm not sure. But um, it definitely needs something like that and um, something big and major in terms of investment to to get the attention of the people in Ireland and to to get people to come to actually want to come to games um, and and. And come to the facilities and and enjoy the facilities and 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 also obviously see what's what's on display yeah. because I don't I don't necessarily think the major problem is what's on display uh, you know the level of football and and mm-hmm. what's on this I think it's it's just everything else you know that's wrong with it you know you look at you know cricket is another sport that's that's huge in India and and mm. you look at the success of the Indian Premier League in cricket and the Australian actually I forget what they call it they call it the big bash or something like that mm. those two domestic leagues where they took domestic cricket which was in the doldrums in India nobody cared about domestic cricket yeah. growing up and it became this like huge phenomenon because they invested money they made it flashy they they just uh, there was they had a benefit also because they could entirely change the game rules but mm. it, it came down to basically making it a spectacle and it was majorly successful yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, it's after 10 o'clock in Indy right now, so we want to honor your time, Eamon. But uh, one last question quick before we let you go. Um, do you have any goals for this season? Um, do I have any goals? I do. Um, I do have goals. Um, goals for goals? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Uh, look, I have. I, 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 I like to keep my personal goals to myself. Um, but my my team goals is I, I want to win the championship. Um, one hundred percent. Um, I, I haven't come over just to just to take part and just to just to you know make up the numbers or or anything of that sort. Um, no, no, I, I've come over to win this. Um, and I know Tim Hankinson has come to Indy to win this. Um, I just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm only getting to know the, the players because we've only started pre-season and today was our second day. So, um, but I hope that the players are of the same mentality because, um, because yeah, yeah, I want to win this. I don't see any, I don't see why, why we can't win it. Um, you know, so, um, so that's that's my team goal um, to win this thing. Fantastic, Eamon, Thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully, if you're here in Minnesota, we'll we'll catch up with you again. But super, uh, yeah. appreciate all the time you spent with us. Yeah, thanks. I'm I'm looking forward now to coming to Minnesota. Um, I definitely am now. You know, yeah, fabulous. It's I can tell you, uh, December and January are the time to come to Minnesota. It is beautiful <laughs> here <laughs> in the middle yeah. of the winter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, it can't be any worse than here anyway. <laughs> it's it's freezing here. Honestly, it's that's so cold. Like it's so so cold here. I'm not used to this. I mean, it's cold in Ireland, but like wow. I mean. You know, usually in Ireland, you know, you wrap up with your scarf and jacket and you're okay. <laughs> Over here, it's like you need like three jackets and three scarves to be okay. It's frightening, like, um, <laughs> you know, but um, I'm told, I'm told there's going to be good weather soon enough. Oh, so, yeah, summers so. in the Midwest are gorgeous. They're supposed yeah, to be. Well, I'm looking forward to well, it. Well, we'll let you uh, get back to like your locker room in Persepolis on that day in 2012 and get back to your tea in the corner of the room. So... Thank you so much for joining us, Eamon. Cool. Thank you very much. And there you have it. Thanks again to Eamon Zayed and thank you to the Indy 11 front office for giving us the opportunity to talk to him. Yeah, it's always incredible to talk to guys from other teams because we find out how the league is doing, how there are players from incredible places coming to the NASL, the stories that they bring with them. It's always, always fun for us to chat. So thank you, Eamon Zayed. Thank you, Indy 11. And thank you, listeners. If you like this episode, tell your friends. Put it on Twitter. Put it on Facebook. Tell people to listen to us. We love doing this. You love listening. Let's spread the word. All right, everybody. Have a great night. Mm